Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We're going to have a lot of fun on today's show, and it's going to begin this way. I want to go back in time here a couple of weeks ago on the show, and the moment we're going back in time to was the immediate aftermath of four-star running back Branson Robinson making his UGA pledge. Now, here's the thing you know about a situation like that. Obviously, Georgia fans were thrilled that Robinson chose Georgia. He's a great-looking running back and a big-time fan favorite. Everybody's really happy about that. But the problem is, is that we like the mystery and we like being surprised and we like the excitement of unexpected news in recruiting. And while the Robinson pledge may have scratched the itch for Georgia fans who want to see the dogs get a top prospect, it doesn't quite scratch the itch of having good news kind of coming out of nowhere, right? It just doesn't quite do that. So what we talked about after Branson Robinson made his pledge of, well, what's next for Georgia recruiting? And we say this all the time. There's no you know, more significant tradition, it seems, for UGA fans and really probably college football fans in general on the heels of a big commitment. What's the next big piece of recruiting news that's going to come? And so on that show that particular day, day after Branson Robinson made his announcement, we kind of ran through the names that would likely be, you know, in the mix for Georgia. Those what I called them were bellwether names, the guys that you really could look at and know with certainty that Georgia was very much in the mix for. And you'd find out if those guys were indeed coming to Georgia. But then beyond that, I had a, had a different category, I had a different category of prospect. And these were the guys that, hey, this may be a little bit of an exaggeration. I may be stretching things just a bit, connecting Georgia to this prospect, some of the top names in the country. But wouldn't it be nice if we had something else that kind of connected Georgia to some of those names? And I want to rewind this from me from a couple of weeks ago, because one of the names that I mentioned All of a sudden, this seems more relevant now than maybe it did back then. So let's push the rewind button a couple of weeks ago, a recruit in particular that I brought up that now seems worth talking about once again. This is me from a couple of weeks past. I've got five-star wide receiver Luther Burden. He's at least visited Georgia. You're interested to see if anything comes of that beyond that. That's a name that you see connected to Georgia from time to time You know, in some online chatter. I'd like to see that grow a little bit more. That's at least worth paying attention to. Those are some of those guys that are maybe stretch goals a bit. So maybe I said this is me in real time now, and that was me from a couple weeks ago. Hope you're following all of that. That's why we play the rewind clip when I play myself. That way, if you're listening podcast, you can kind of keep up with what's the current version of me versus what was the past version of me. But nonetheless, you heard me call five-star wide receiver Luther Burden, an Oklahoma commit at the time, a stretch goal. He's visited Georgia, but it'd be nice if you had something else out there that maybe felt like Georgia and burden were even more connected together and then there was that moment right there at the end of july when burden was rumored reported to be visiting george again my understanding is based on jeff Sintel's reporting that at the time that didn't happen that burden didn't take that visit to george not going to tell you privately behind the scenes I don't believe i said this in the show but privately behind the scenes I was sort of thinking, well, I guess that's just sort of that, right? You know, that it was nice that Georgia got him on campus. Obviously, pulling him away from Oklahoma is going to be a difficult thing to do. A second visit would have certainly been telling, but apparently that second visit didn't take place. And so, oh, well, I guess you move on to the next one when it comes to Luther Burden. But hold on here for a moment. Everything changes. This is the moment where the soundtrack would be completely different because yesterday we got some big news. Now, not totally unexpected. There had been a little bit of rumblings and grumblings about this the the couple of days prior to this, but yesterday became official. Let me show you this on the screen. Five-star wide receiver Luther Burden up until yesterday in Oklahoma commit says that he wants to thank the entire Oklahoma coaching staff for giving him an opportunity to be a part of the Sooner family. But after a long conversation with my family, I have decided to decommit Mitt from the University of Oklahoma and the uh, caption that he put on Twitter about this Burden called this a business decision so if you heard me a couple of weeks ago say it was kind of nice that Georgia got Luther Burden on campus you know you'd like to believe that Georgia's a real player here but you need some sort of tangible piece of evidence some sort of tangible piece of information that this is indeed true 
Well, folks, you just got it. Luther Burden is now decommitted from Oklahoma. Now, I'm assuming that Oklahoma remains a factor in this recruitment. If I had to guess, I'd say Oklahoma still is involved here, and it could very well be when it's all said and done. Burden actually gravitates back towards Oklahoma. That's at least a possibility it's worth considering. But the chances of Georgia being in play here, which for me probably seemed fairly remote when I mentioned him by name on a show a couple of weeks ago. Now, I think you have to say that is a lot more realistic. We've got national recruiting analysts who've suggested that over the course of the last 24 hours. We've had Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, can I say the, is that the name of the paper there? The, uh, the, uh, you have Dave Matter, longtime you know, guy covering the SEC. He has said that Georgia's a major player in all of this, and all of a sudden you have to take that pretty seriously. That Yeah, indeed, Georgia is uh, play, all of a sudden now in play for the five-star wide receiver Luther Burden. And what's interesting to some Georgia fans is the competition here is not just the Sooners, the, the school that that burden was once committed to as i mentioned before the st louis paper writing about this because the other school that's in play here all of a sudden is missouri after all burden hails from the state of missouri uh, or at least in that missouri area there that he kind of hails you know from that area and all of a sudden missouri because only a couple hours from his home there in east st louis all, all of a sudden now the university of missouri is kind of back more of a player here there too and for a lot of georgia fans they say Oh, gosh, the news just keeps getting better. Not only is Georgia a player for five-star wide receiver Luther Burden, but the chief competition may be Missouri. Georgia fans don't really think of Missouri as a big-time recruiting power. And obviously, I guess it's a little bit easier and better to be battling Missouri than it is some of the other programs you could battle. But this is one of those moments where I feel like it's kind of an important aside to bring up that Eli Drinkwitz is kind of quietly doing some things there in Columbia. If you think about like the bottom half of the SEC, a lot of these programs have recently changed over coaching staffs. You've got Auburn, Tennessee, you know, fresh brand new coaches. You've got like Mike Leach, second year coach, uh, Lane Kiffin, second year coach, Eli Drinkwitz, second year coach there at Missouri. A lot of this bottom half of the SEC that have either coaches in their first or second year, very few of them can say they've established the ab- the actual momentum that Drinkwitz established in Missouri. They won more games a year ago than I think some people probably thought they would. They're doing better in recruiting than you probably realize. I think they're up to like 14th or something in the uh, composite rating from 24-7 sports. They're actually doing pretty well in recruiting. And you know what? Uh, I think that Drinkwitz is trying to kind of make a little noise here and thinking that he could be kind of a player for a guy like Bird. And I want to show you this tweet. This got some attention yesterday. So um, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, if you're watching a video, you can obviously see this. I guess he gets a new Mercedes. Now, first of all, let me say this. that is that the kind of vehicle you expect to see an SEC coach driving? Uh, Connor Riley, our producer today, is vehemently shaking his head no. Nothing wrong with the vehicle. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice-looking thing. But when you think SEC head coach, it's big pickup truck, right? I mean, pretty much every coach in this league drives a big pickup. Now, I guess Nick Saban probably drives a Mercedes there, too, so because uh, he owns the dealership. So maybe Drinkwitz is following the footsteps here. But this car is a little too fancy, and this car looks like it's getting way too many city miles to be – I mean, like that's not a daily driver that you're beating up and down the highways of the south trying to go get recruits in. So first of all, I'm going to call all kinds of suspicion on the vehicle that Eli Drinkwitz is showing off there. But the point of showing the, uh, the picture is to say this. So this is what Drinkwitz puts out on Twitter when he shows off his brand new Mercedes-Benz vehicle. He says it's a new season and a new car. He gives a shout out to the dealership in which he gets the vehicle from, and he calls it a five-star ride. Now, most of us read way too much into most of the social media posts from SEC coaches and players. A lot of folks thought, oh, on the heels of Luther Burden decommitting from Oklahoma, the fact that Missouri's a player here, geographically a little bit of an advantage in the Burden recruitment, the fact that Drinkwitz is talking about five-star rides on social media here is a little bit of a wink and a nod to the direction of Luther Burden. It may very well be the case, and honestly, I think it sets up a situation that's going to be pretty interesting. Georgia is fairly obviously in the mix for burden and more of only a couple of schools that can say that and most georgia fans say oh if it's a battle with missouri uh for burden services then by all means bring that on that's not a, that's not an opponent that most uga fans respect i guess to wrap all this up i'll say as a reminder missouri's doing a little better in recruiting than you might think but for georgia who desperately needs a big time playmaker a wide receiver uh, of high value that's clearly what burden is and all of a sudden what was once a pipe dream a few weeks ago seems a lot more real right now 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. So glad to have you with us, no matter how you're getting to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, right there on the page of dognation.com. We've got a big announcement coming up, by the way, as well, for some really fun stuff we're going to be doing on our video platform at dognation.com. This is really amazing. I I can't wait to tell you more about this. We're going to do that really, really soon. Of course, podcast folks. However you get to us there, the Apple Player, Google Player, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Some of you listen right there on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, everything else. Just thanks for being with us there. And, of course, Radio at Noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. Always a lot of fun, too. None of this, though, would be possible without our friends at Harris, Cherokee Casino Resort. They make the show available to you here today, and they remind you as you're getting ready for the upcoming football season, great chance to get away uh, just a couple-hour drive in the mountains of western North Carolina from where I'm sitting here in Atlanta. You get Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or Harris Cherokee Valley River. Fun table games there on the casino floor, but the book is also open there as well. So if you've got your opinions what's going to go down in college or pro football here this year, make some money on those opinions with our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Get settled in, make your sports wagers at either of their properties, and enjoy the really the best that the gaming world has to offer with not just the table games now but and the slot machines, of course, but the uh, book now open for sports gaming in the mountains of western North Carolina. Y'all make sure you check that out i'll give you the website to go to so you can book your travel and find out more details it's caesars.com slash harris dash cherokee that's caesars.com slash harris dash cherokee that'll get you in touch with harris cherokee casino resort today really good stuff on all of that all right it is mike griffith coming up in a moment we'll do a georgia farm bureau practice report with him and there's a lot to get into when it comes to everything that's been going on around UGA as of late. But I want to spend my own moment on that before we get with uh, Mike here. Let's go around the doghouse here today. And I want to follow up on some of the stuff involving Eric Gilbert because like, one of the things I'm commonly hearing from some of you, and I think this is a genuine statement, genuine request being made of UGA fans, they just don't know what to make of the Eric Gilbert situation. They see wild and crazy reports like what the dude from Rivals.com put out the other day, kind of fanning the flames on the rumor that there was some sort of altercation involving Gilbert. And you see true aggressive denials on the part of almost anyone closely connected to Georgia related to that. And there is honest confusion about where all this stands and what all this means. I'll show you the latest example of this. I mentioned Mike Farrell from Rivals and what he wrote. And upon sharing that on social media, Chris Milton, the father of Georgia running back Kendall Milton, leapt right into the fray uh, upon seeing the story saying lol that's blatantly way off shaking his head he says about uh, what has been reported about eric gilbert who all has been officially said by georgia is that he's currently away from the team dealing with a personal issue now let me just be real clear about this for a moment like i'm not a reporter i don't pretend to be a reporter i don't want to be confused with being a reporter that's not the game i'm trying to play that's not the world i'm trying to live in in this particular case though i have talked to enough people that i can say with confidence based on the people that i've talked to who know far more about this situation than i do close to the situation that what was reported earlier and what you may have seen like the rumors on and things like that that the people that i've talked to are very confident that's just simply not true and like i don't come on here and try to play the sources game and things like that i let other people do that all i want to do is talk about the news i don't want to break the news that's not that's not the job that i want to do in this particular case though i have talked to enough people who do feel confident to say that what you may have heard about gilbert is likely not true and once again to go back to what i said a moment ago which is a lot of georgia fans are left feeling confused about this you don't know who to believe here's the one thing i think i can say with confidence that when you hear people closely connected to Georgia, whether it be the father of a player on social media or you know people kind of behind the scenes or whatever else who are willing to let their opinions be leaked out, when there is this much confidence about the opinion that Georgia has all of this under control and that the, the, the situation that's inside the program is being handled to, at a satisfactory degree, when there's this much confident spoken word about all of that, that's the thing that as a fan, I think that you ought to take you know, really seriously here that that, you know, the rumor mill is going to try to step in and fill the void. As I've said a million times, the availability of information for Georgia football is sometimes down here low. The 
appetite for that information is always really, really high. And there will always be people that see a market to kind of try to fill the void that exists between the appetite for information involving Georgia football and the availability of Georgia football. And this situation is really no different on all of that. I have talked to people who know this situation far better than I do, who are far closer to the situation than I am. And they feel very confident that this scenario is quickly on its way to being rectified. And I think you ought to take that pretty seriously. Now, one more point on this while we're around the doghouse here today as far as the on-field impact of eric gilbert i think it's really important to note what people outside the bubble of dog nation are saying about all this because the one thing we said on monday show was gilbert not being spotted at the scrimmage uh, status unknown as far as when he'll be back in the fold doing things for georgia again that this was never a make or break issue when it comes to Georgia game one against Clemson. Maybe by the end of the season, the Gilbert on a new team and a new offense playing a new position, maybe he works himself into being a very important part of the Georgia roster. But on this subject, we've actually been fairly consistent throughout the entirety of, of the discussion since Gilbert came to Georgia. This is one of the most amazing prospects I've ever seen. Uh, I was disappointed as a high schooler when he chose LSU over Georgia. I was thrilled when he decided to transfer to Georgia. But the process of becoming a big part of this Georgia offense, there was was just going to be a little bit of time to be taken to to be a part of all of that and you know you can take my opinion with a grain of salt on that if you want but i thought david cobb from cbs sports kind of echoed that sentiment in a similar way and for someone who's not a georgia reporter not someone you know closely connected to the program necessarily to kind of echo those same kinds of things I think maybe that's something else that Georgia fans ought to take pretty seriously. And let me read you a couple of sentences from something that the CBS writer recently wrote related to Gilbert. And once again, it kind of reminds us of the fact that Gilbert's unknown status for the Clemson game right now doesn't really change the outcome of this game at all. What David Cobb writes is this. Now is not the time to sell Georgia stock. Eric Gilbert was a late addition to the roster and already something of a bonus for a program poised for big things with or without a player with undeniable promise. Once again, that's David Cobb from CBS Sports. Now, is Georgia loaded at receiver apart from Eric Gilbert? Honestly, I think we're still trying to figure out just how much Georgia really does have when it comes to its pass catching weapons and its, its, its targets and things like that. But the idea that Gilbert was going to be the deciding factor, the missing piece for that game against Clemson, I think whether it be CBS Rider or us here on Dog Nation Daily or whatever else in between, I think most of us have said, no, the actual deciding factor for the Georgia game against Clemson going to be things other than Gilbert, a guy who really has just arrived in the program and is in in the midst of kind of learning so much new stuff so do with that what you will but that is kind of where things stand here at the uh, moment of course that is around the doghouse here on dog nation daily presented by harris cherokee casino resort now before we're done huge compliment out there for a georgia running back which i want to make sure we spend some time on and talk about what that might mean for the georgia offense here this year also we started the show with big news involving five-star wide receiver Luther Burden. There's also more big news for a Georgia wide receiver target that you're not going to want to miss on today's show. So we'll do all of that coming up. But for now, the latest on Gilbert, whatever else is happening around Georgia practice as the preparations continue for September 4th against the Clemson Tigers. Let's do all of that with a practice report with our buddy Mike Griffith, brought to you by the Georgia Farm Bureau here on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Georgia Farm Bureau practice report with Mike Griffith here. And, of course, it has been busy around the Athens front the last few days, and it will continue to be busy as the dogs get ready for Clemson coming up on September 4th. Mike, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I'm sure you're probably tired of talking about it too, but important to note the emphatic way that people close to the Georgia program, whether it be on the record like Chris Milton on Twitter or off the record, people that I've talked to, and I'm sure people you've talked to there as well, the emphatic way in which that people are denying the most salacious rumors involving Gilbert I think you have to take that seriously. And I say that Mike is not someone who reports the news for a living, but as someone who consumes the news and then talks about whatever the news is in a show like this, you know, for the fan who's left wondering what to believe, the emphatic way in which people very close to Georgia are saying, no, the crazy rumors about altercations and things like that, the stuff that you've heard and that not being true, that to me seems like the kind of thing that needs to be taken seriously. What do you make of all of that? 
Well, I mean, you know, social media is where people start rumors, people who don't use their real names, anonymous people on Twitter that have the um, have an agenda to try to make Georgia look bad, to try to make the kid look bad. I mean, think about how sick in the head some people might must be to make things up about a 19-year-old going through personal issues. I mean, that, that's just sick in the head. These are the same people that attack recruits that don't pick their schools. Um, it's really an indictment uh, on on society that there's people like that out there, and and somehow fan bases rally around this this dark, ugly side. Uh, this is where passion goes wrong uh, when people get creepy like that. Um, no altercation. Uh, the kid has personal problems. It's not saying that. That's not saying that things didn't go awry, but there there's no personal altercation with Kirby Smart. Look, there's over a hundred players on this football team, and and Georgia does a nice job of of keeping things in house, but something like that wouldn't be kept in house. I've covered practices back when practices were open, back when there was transparency. Uh, I saw what college football looked like. Okay, and. Coaches don't get uh, into altercations with players. It, it doesn't go that far. Now, will a player yell at a coach? Yeah, that happens. Uh, it happened on this. It happens on this Georgia team. Players get frustrated in workouts, and yeah, but but Eric Gilbert's issue is not tied to anything like that. And um, you know, you, you just wonder who these sick people are. And this is this is again when you see social media. This is. You know, you just shake your head and you go, who, who, who is this person? You know, what is this person's life like uh, that, that they want to, you know, spread rumors and false innuendos uh, about 19-year-olds that this, they can't defend themselves, right? That's, that's sad. That's what I think. I think it's sick. I think it's sad. I think it's an indictment on the anonymity of social media. The problems continue to grow, uh, not just in sports, but in politics, Um yeah, it's a dangerous place right now. So I've said over and over again, this going back months, that you know I felt like that Gilbert's acclimation to Georgia was going to be somewhat, I don't want to say slow, but it was going to be deliberate, right? It wasn't one of those things where I expected him to sort of step around in the field and be the dominant player, dominant pass catcher for UGA. I never really felt like he was the missing piece, the, the, the missing quotient one way or another in a game like Clemson. And so the fact that he's not here right now, I don't think that, changes the outlook for me Georgia versus Clemson I think it's a tough game whether he plays or whether he doesn't play but I think it does kind of shine a spotlight a little bit Mike on the fact that there are still a lot of unknowns for Georgia when it comes to this receiving core situation you know if you want to count Jermaine Burton as something of a given because he had the big game against Mississippi State a year ago or if you want to count Kiaris Jackson as something of a given because he had the back-to-back 100-yard receiving games you know against Auburn and Tennessee they weren't there on Saturday as Kirby Smart indicated and maybe that was a reason why the offensive vibe seemed to be a little lackluster based on the the chatter and the comments that came from that scrimmage to the extent that you take a small snapshot like that seriously but Georgia I think whether Gilbert's playing or not, has a real job ahead of the next couple of weeks to find out who can you really depend on. Of a long list of guys that could be big-time performers, and I'll include tight ends in this as well, who can you really rely on and who can help you move the chains against a very good defense like Clemson? To me, Mike, that's a huge part of the story as you kind of move on with the remainder of this preseason moment here before uh, the first game kicks off on September 4th. Well, Eric Gilbert wasn't going to be a big factor early in the season to begin with, and, and this is what some people that don't follow it closely or don't understand football can't seem to comprehend. You know, it takes time, as you said, to learn the Georgia offense. This this is a guy who didn't go through spring drills with Georgia. This is a guy who was changing positions. This is a guy who's learning new terminologies. That that, that all to, and, and, get, and getting timing with a, with a new quarterback. This takes time. This is not the NFL. This is not a video game. This is not plug and play. This is a 19-year-old kid who moved and changed circumstances and residences and teammates and football language and position and quarterback uh, and and receivers coach, and you think he's going to plug and play? Then you don't know much about football. Now, this was a guy who was transitioning and trying to learn a new spot and probably would have worked his way in during the season. I still might. I don't know how long he's out. It's, it's indefinite. 
Um, I wouldn't expect anytime soon. But it, the Gilbert thing is is way, way, way overrated. And, and part of that is because it was such a big story at, at which school he would go to. Uh, he was once committed to Florida, and then LSU flirted with getting him back. And Georgia made a couple runs at him. And, and so recruiting hype always, you know, my goodness, we've heard so much about Cedric Van Pran, and we don't even know if he can play center now in his year two. We're still, you know, Jamari Saylor is still having to take snaps there. Recruiting is so overhyped. You have to be really careful. Uh, as far as who you can count on, I don't. I don't. Can we count on Jermaine Burton? I don't know that he couldn't get through spring healthy. He's missed. You know. You know. He's just now getting out there in fall. You know. He was limited in bowl practices. Uh, he had one huge game. Other than that, I don't think he had more than five catches or sixty yards in a game. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to. Oh, he's money. I'm not ready to say he's money. I don't care what Terrence Edwards says. I need to see it on the field more than one game. More than can we see more than one good game? Can we see the guy stay healthy more than two months at a time? I I, I can't count on that. It takes t- again a young player transitioning. I mean, you know, the name is bigger than the than, than the level of consistency. The person you count on is J T. Daniels. And as far as what receiver gets the ball, as Kirby said, that's really dependent on the defense. It's not like J T. goes in the huddle and says, you know, okay. Uh, you know, uh, here, so I'm looking for you on this, but that's not how it works, right? He goes to the, he goes to the line of scrimmage, and he's got an order uh, that he's going to go through in the receiver, and then he gets to the line and he sees the defensive alignment, and he sees who's on. He says, you know what? I see the matchup against this scheme. This is going to be my progression, okay? He reads it as the game goes. That's the beauty of the air raid concepts is, you know, the defense is always giving you something, but you don't really know until you go line. You call your play and your receivers have their routes, and then based on the defense, Brandon, you choose your receiver. Not you don't choose your receiver and then hope he's open. You, you base it on the defense. That's why Todd Munkin said that it's going to be up to the defense to determine who gets the football because JT is going to make the read and go to the player that's going to be open against that defensive alignment. It's a uh, Georgia Farm Bureau practice report with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily. And, of course, we love all the things the Georgia Farm Bureau is doing for our local communities, supporting those local communities with their agricultural programs, but also helping folks save money on their uh, home insurance, their life insurance, their auto insurance, all the things that go along with that. Uh, Georgia Farm Bureau stepping up in a huge way when it comes to all of that. And you can actually find out more about this yourself, how you can uh, take big-time advantage of everything that Georgia Farm Bureau has going on. Just go to gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. And you can uh, enjoy some big savings with our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau because Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. So make sure you check that out today. Uh, Mike, boy, it certainly seems like there's no shortage of injuries to talk about with Georgia online chatter yesterday about uh, Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, minor things maybe, but nonetheless, nonetheless, added to a list that you know seems to be growing with Warren Erickson, maybe near the top of that. I don't think what George is dealing with is unique to UGA. These kinds of camp practice injuries are a factor for all teams, but for Georgia right now, they are dealing with their share of those, are they not? Yeah, Kirby said that Saturday, and you know that was kind of the deal. I mean, you had you know six, seven projected starters that were out. It's not what you want to hear. Not the script for a championship season to be missing almost 33% of your projected starters in your first scrimmage. Some guys more serious than others. And, and again, this isn't a video game. You don't hit the button and everybody's back to 100. It's not how it works. You know, you almost start to look a little bit deeper at the Georgia strength and conditioning program and wonder, is Nick Saban really on to something over there? Is Georgia going too hard? Is there something happening for this many guys to be grinded into the ground uh, you know, and we're still two and a half weeks before the opener. It, it does seem like a lot. I know guys get nicked up playing football, but they didn't play a whole lot of football. I mean, work. You know, I'm still trying to figure out how your center got hurt on the first day of practice and they're not even hitting yet. I mean, I, again, I, I think it's cause for concern and and scrutiny. And, and the reason why is because the expectations are so high. You know, when you're playing a national championship or bust, which which seems to be the rules for Georgia. I guess for ESPN, I guess for the Big Ten writer that called Georgia the biggest underachiever, you know, I, I guess he was willing to overlook the fact that Michigan hasn't even played in a Big Ten championship game and the game's 10 years old and that Texas has had one 10-win season in 11 years, even though they have the largest. But I guess it's convenient to zero in on Georgia and, and, just, and just jump on Georgia, which, by the way, um, you know, it, it's kind of uh, – 
it doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense to me because on the one hand, I hear the national media tell me that, that Kirby's smart and Georgia's this un- underachiever. But then on the other hand, Brandon, I see Georgia with five consecutive top five preseason ratings, which is all about perception. And here they are again in the top five. And yet there's only one preseason All-SEC guy. So uh, Kirby Smart must be a heck of a coach if they're a preseason number five and they only got one first-team guy, I think. I don't know how you can have it both ways. Um, but, but somehow some of these national writers from other conferences, again, the Big Ten writer, uh, wants to talk about what an underachiever Michigan is. And, <laughs> and there's Ohio State, which, which can't even stay in the game for two quarters against Alabama with Justin Fields. And yet Stetson Bennett can beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa for two quarters. But Georgia's the underachiever? Come again, please? Uh, Ohio State with 10 guys drafted into the NFL as well, I might add. So I don't want to hear about what an underachiever Georgia is. I don't want to dial into the national media because they don't know what the hell they're talking about if you're going to call Georgia an underachiever with four straight top 10 finishes. I don't see many programs doing that out there. So to me... There's a lot of grasping at low-hanging fruit. Uh, there are some real concerns, but my concern isn't Kirby Smart or Georgia being an underachiever. Uh, my concern is, is real-word stuff like you know guys getting a little banged up and opening against a great football team that hasn't lost to an SEC team in the regular season since Georgia in 2014. So I'm not quite sure how we got on the topic of underachieving, but uh, interesting stuff nonetheless. Uh, let me just finish with this. Um, interesting piece at dognation.com the other day looking at some of the guys for Georgia who may have stock up. I mean, you know, it's easy to kind of fix it on some of the maybe the small-scale injuries that Georgia's dealt with, but there were some nice stories and are some nice stories that continue to be coming out of uh, some of what happened uh, whether folks who got a chance to see the scrimmage on Saturday and some of the other you know buzz that's ongoing there. Looks like Jamon Dumas Johnson's turning some heads right now. You love to see that. Uh, Kenny McIntosh, who you wrote about at dognation.com. There are also some good stories that seem to be uh, coming out of these Georgia practice in the early going here. Why don't you take a couple of seconds in the time that we have left kind of highlight a couple of those. Yeah, I think the running backs have, have all had a really good fall camp. That, that's one position I'm really bullish on. That, you know, with Samir with White and Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh and James Cook. Uh, you know, Dejon Edwards. I, to me, that 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 core is has been really strong. I think the front seven, uh, particularly the defensive line, has been outstanding. I, you know, I know some of the guys in the linebacker core are a little nicked up right now, but I still think this front seven is really special. Um, you know, you feel good about special teams with Will Muschamp um, and certainly uh, Pat Lensney and and uh, Kamarda as well. Uh, return game should be. Shot. I feel good about those things. Question marks on the offensive line, question marks in the secondary. Hearing good things now about uh, Amir Speed, Latavius Brainy, Keely Ringo starting to emerge a little bit, which we knew he would. It takes time. Once again, once he gets those reps, it makes all the difference in the world when a player gets reps. Uh, the, the star rating you know, system is a, a good indicator, but it's not a perfect indicator. And So you know, maybe Broderick Jones now, starting to hear some good things about him at the left tackle position. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Xavier Truss. It's year three. Uh, if he gets passed on the depth chart, not sure where, where he ends up, if anywhere. Uh, that'll be interesting. So you hear good things about Tate Ratledge in the run game. Um, so there's been some good, you know, and obviously Jamari Salyer. I mean, is there anything Jamari can't do? Uh, you know, he left tackle. We know he's, his true position is guard, but now he's playing center. Uh, I do think Van Pran will probably be next man up, but it's good to know that Jamari is, is also there. Um, so, you know, you hear good things about different players and positions from, from one scrimmage to one practice to the next practice. Um, you know, but again, we, we won't truly know uh, until uh, September 4th. And, and, and won't that be interesting? Clemson, by the way, having issues with their center, yeah. looking at moving Matt Brockhurst inside, which tells you, you know, hey, that's a red flag. Maybe these over-under guys, Brandon, uh, have it right. I heard they, they got the over-under in the 50s, and when I first saw that number – I about passed out. you got to be kidding me. Look at that in the first half. But now I'm starting to go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, they, they build those fountains and, and big buildings out there in Vegas with, with, with money. Uh, they don't do that by accident. These guys know what they're talking about. So maybe this opening game might be a little bit more of a grind than a shootout uh, as first thought. 
Mike, interesting stuff. Thanks for being here on the uh, Georgia Farm Bureau practice report. Obviously, there'll be a lot more good stuff coming from UGA in the days to come as the dogs get ready for that big game against Clemson. And we'll look forward to reading that from you. Thanks, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, interesting stuff there. We'll transition out our SEC Through. Let me just say this real quick, though, when it comes to, you know, Mike, you know, wanted to talk about the, I guess, the most overrated or whatever it was that Adam Rittenberg wrote the other day to ESPN.com. There's a way in which that's kind of a compliment if you want to compare, as Mike did a moment ago, Georgia to Michigan or Texas. The reason why, you know, Michigan and, and Texas – might not rank as the most overrated team in college football anymore is because no one even expects it from Michigan now, right? They've they've been out of the loop for such a long time that at this point in time, no one even expects Michigan to be good anymore. So they're they're not. I guess the the word is not overrated; it's underachiever. No one even thinks of Michigan as a great underachiever anymore because at this point in time, the expectation of what they're going to achieve is just so much lower. You know, the last few years, the, the reason why. The same thing for Texas there too. Unparalleled resources and really for the most part, pretty good recruiting compared to most of college football. But after a while, it's just kind of we've sort of been there and done that they don't even rank as the biggest underachiever because people just kind of moved on so if georgia actually ranks as biggest underachiever in college football you can debate if that's even true or not but if they do rank that way it's actually at least complimentary in comparison to to michigan and texas who at, at this point aren't even relevant enough to kind of rank in the underachieving category and as far as whether or not georgia as a program is an underachiever i mean here's the one thing that you Look, you just got to take this head on, right? And and maybe Georgia fans, you know, don't love to consider this, but it's just a factual truth that after Georgia won the SEC and made the college football playoff in 2017, the last three years since then, Georgia has started the year at whatever ranking and in the last three years has finished below that mark. They have finished the season below where they started end of season ranking compared to preseason ranking the last three years. And that is obviously a little bit of a burden that Georgia has to wear as it gets ready to start this upcoming season. Now, the great news is, and we would all agree with this, that Georgia has a great chance to change that trend here this year. But you can't avoid that. You can't pretend that isn't true. That must be acknowledged when you discuss what Georgia has facing it here this year national championship or bust we've shrugged that off every time it's come up no we don't believe that's true that's letting the competition for the dogs down way too easy there's going to be plenty of opportunities for georgia to win national championships in future years but is it improvement or bust better than it's been the last couple of years or bust i mean obviously there is pressure to certainly win the sec east again and then do something else beyond that as we've said before i can listen to a discussion of georgia needs to be in the playoff this year given the fact they haven't been there since 2017 and they start the year in such an exclusive category of teams who have a chance to do that i can listen to that conversation a little bit and the good news is i don't believe the georgia coaches and players who are part of this program would shy away from that discussion at all i'll give you our sec through more of that coming up in a moment let me also give a shout out to my friends at the uh finish long drink here interesting stuff there when it comes to getting ready for the upcoming season and the nice warm weather we're enjoying right now and, and frankly you know anytime's a good time to be together with friends and uh having a good time with our friends at the finish long drink you know comes in a can looks like a beer but it's not a beer it's a ready to drink cocktail what that means is you can pop the top and just be kind of drinking it right away uh no mixing to be done here there's no not to be a professional mixologist to uh, take care of all this you can just enjoy it and it's right there for you whether it's the long drink cranberry the traditional which comes in a blue can that kind of has like a grapefruit flavor and obviously the the gin kick for which you certainly have come to expect the finished long drink to provide that for you long drink strong long drink zero you know going back to the 1950s this started in helsinki and now it's in america and if you go to the longdrink.com you can find out where it is for you the uh, finished long drink check it out right there longdrink.com you can find out a lot more about where you can pick that up near you i promise you some more recruiting news let me give it to you here for a moment so um uh, andre green jr is a guy we've talked about before as a big time receiving target for the georgia bulldogs certainly a name to know and the good news is is that D- green jr has dropped his top six and georgia in the mix here i'll show you the uh, edit here from andre green jr which has the dogs uh, along with penn state and north carolina lsu clemson and oregon it's always funny to me 
it seems like Georgia is always like the middle graphic in a lot of this stuff that goes on there. Now, in the case of uh, Green Jr., I don't know that that's necessarily indicative of where, where he's going. And by the way, another great job by uh, Hayes Fawcett here. The LSU guys got the Mardi Gras beads uh, or the version of Green in the LSU uniforms got the Mardi Gras beads. There's some cool touches to that edit there. But nice to see Georgia kind of right in the middle there for Ronda Green Jr. After talking about Luther Burden off the top of the show important to remind you that another receiver that george is kind of in the mix for just see where um obviously luke Doty, the south carolina starting quarterback is dealing with an injury he talked on monday's show about how shane beamer was kind of poo-pooing uh south carolina fans who were getting all doomy and gloomy about Doty's injury saying everything's going to be fine I'm not quite so sure if that's such an easy sell now or not. Football Scoop and other places have had a story on this. So South Carolina's actually got a graduate assistant. Now, I apologize. His name escapes me. But a graduate assistant who has now been called back into active duty. He's on the active roster now for uh, South Carolina because they were thin at quarterback. They need other quarterbacks that can just, you know, help them get through a practice. And all of a sudden, one of their GAs is now on the active roster. If you're Shane Beamer, you're trying to sell the idea that the Doty injury is um, is not is, is no big deal. This is probably not the easiest way to do that. It's also kind of brought some people, you know, back to. Um, you know, maybe the way the quarterback situation was handled last year there as well, that quarterbacks left that program. And, you know, all of a sudden now maybe the Gamecocks fans wish they had some of those guys back. So uh, a little bit of an issue for South Carolina quarterback right now, and that's probably uh, a story worth paying attention to, especially with all these first-year SEC teams with brand-new coaches trying to get as many wins as they can. Whatever South Carolina is dealing with the quarterback situation uh, may not be the easiest thing. By the way, speaking of the Gamecocks, they're also one of the finalists for four-star tight end Oscar Delp. Remind you, many of you are aware that I am a part of the high school football season this year once again with our friends at Score Atlanta. Games will be televised on Peachtree TV and throughout the season as well, streamed on CBS46.com. Two, I'll be doing Corky Kell Classic Friday from Gainesville, then two games Saturday from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But tonight, the Corky Kell Classic actually kicks off. A chance to see Oscar Delp in action. It's really, it's about a year ago at this time with last year's Corky Kell Classic that Delp got so much big attention. It really became such a big name to know on the recruiting front. Got a bunch of offers. I think Michigan kind of came in first. And then a lot of other big attention kind of came rolling in after that because he performed very big in this spot so tonight on tv peachtree tv in atlanta or cbs46.com no matter where you are get a chance to watch delp tonight as part of a fun doubleheader of games from uh west for tonight as the corky kale classic kind of gets going uh, that's going to be a uh, bunch of fun we'll go ahead and make that your sec through and here on dog nation daily presented by harris cherokee casino resort also want to talk about the georgia bulldogs some more here right now too for a moment this is something that's been out there for a couple of days but i wanted to at least make sure we spend some time talking about it because as we said before like one of the big stories for georgia as we move through the rest of the what's remaining left in the preseason getting ready for the start of the upcoming season is what's going to happen with georgia looking to establish those playmakers i thought connor riley when we interviewed him on tuesday brought up a really good point given the fact that georgia seems to be so deep uh running back so deep at tight end maybe are you playing more what you call 22 personnel with two tight ends two running backs in the game because you want as many of those kinds of guys on the field as possible and there's an very good chance that's exactly what georgia does or at least in in at times just given the depth at that spot and in terms of running backs who could really maximize their potential this season boy james cook is a name that you're looking at right now on the basis of what jim nagy who runs the senior bowl what nagy recently put out on twitter really showing some strong praise for cook i thought this was interesting and i want to read this to you Here's Jim Nagy on Twitter about James Cook, saying stats won't jump off the page since James Cook's sharing the load at running back at Georgia, but he's undoubtedly going to be one of the most talented running backs in the 2022 draft. Most dynamic feat of any running back that the Senior Bowl has evaluated and a legit wide receiver versatility there as well, which gets really interesting because some of you want to see Georgia throw to those running backs a lot more. You want to see that be uh, a big important component of the Bulldogs passing attack and I think there's plenty of reason to believe that is going to be the case because when you've got guys like this Mike mentioned you know Kenny McIntosh a little earlier I think that's a guy that you can throw to as well that that probably will be something that George is looking to spring on Clemson come September 4th now as far as the fact that Cook plays in a rotation that he's not getting the lion's share of the carries and really maybe nobody in that Georgia running back room getting the lion's share of the carries they're all split up split up amongst each other 
I thought when James Cook spoke to reporters a few days ago, I thought he said everything you want to hear a player say in terms of not being worried about that kind of stuff at all. Good stuff from James Cook about sharing the spotlight. This is from just a couple of weeks ago. All I'm trying to do is just win and win games this year. Just go out national championship and SEC championship. That's all I'm focused on. That comes like when you do things, right things. So like if I get the ball, I don't, I don't. If I do, I do. That's kind of what it is. I mean, that's the perfect team first attitude that you want to have. And you know, it's the kind of thing that I do think helps Georgia kind of add the team chemistry he wants to have. But I think that Cook is also factually correct there, that if he does the things that he needs to do in terms of helping Georgia win, then his own individual accolades will truly probably take care of themselves. And to think that James Cook could be as dynamic a weapon in the passing game as he potentially is in the running game, if not more so, boy, that's a reason for dog fans to be excited about the season that's on its way. All right, uh, we'll wrap up today. Good stuff all the way around. Of course, uh, Gator Hater Roll Call. We love those Georgia fans who hate those lousy, stinking Gators. That's one of the things that we're proud of around here. And we'll also remind you as well that sometimes when we honor our Gator Hater Roll Call, we'll give out our golden shoe for that. But other times, it's just kind of whatever we want it to be. Today, maybe an example of that. Former UGA golfer Keith Mitchell now on the PGA Tour has actually been kind of an interesting dust-up as of late with uh, Joel Damon and Phil Mickelson and uh, some guys there about a big money match they had. He's also been a part of a big money situation in a completely different regard. Uh, Keith Mitchell, the former UGA golfer, getting a chance to ring the closing bell at the New York Stock Exchange going back to Tuesday. That's a pretty cool thing to do. And I gotta say, it's kind of a bucket list type thing to be able to do. So good to see the former UGA golfer getting a chance to do that. We'll make him the golden shoe winner because of it. Speaking of those lousy, stinking gators, how about a gator hater countdown 73 days from right now? We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And on the podcast, I'm now off the R.S. Andrews podcast cooldown. Of course, you can find them online at rsandrews.com. They'll take care of you for air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. I'll read some tweets at Dog Nation Daily, some comments to dognation.com. Uh, Jim Dog 85 writes in to say that I think the Dog Nation has been sleeping on a mere speed in favor of some younger, sexier recruits. However, we know that Kirby values the experience he's been uh, getting in the program as long as any of the defensive backs. I thought he played well in the G-Day game, and Kirby uh, wouldn't be sending him out to talk to the media if he wasn't happy with his play. I fully expect to see speed and Kendrick as the starting quarterbacks against Clemson. I love the bold prediction, very clear statement there from Jim Dog, and I'm going to say this half kidding, but please don't lump, lump me in into someone who's not giving a mere speed uh, enough credit here. We've actually been talking up speed now for quite some time, and admittedly, I mean, look, I'll be very candid with you. Um, about a, I forget how long ago this was, you know, a uh, year ago or so, somebody that would know, um, I don't know, uh, protect the privacy of this person, but somebody that would know came up to me and said, hey, listen, I just want you to know something. Because, uh, look, I, I joke about this all the time. I'm always very honest about this. I'm a little bit of a stargazer when it comes to recruiting. We started the show today by talking about a five-star wide receiver. We spent a bunch of time on our SEC through talking about a top 100 wide receiver. We, you know, we talk about star players around here, right? Four and five-star guys. Somebody that would know came to me and said, hey, B.H., I just want you to know about this, is that you got to make sure you're paying attention to some of the guys on this Georgia roster who may not have had the same recruiting resume as guys who you may be pleasantly surprised to find out can really play. And one of those names that came up in that discussion was Amir Speed. And there were a lot of Georgia fans that I don't think really know what Amir Speed even looks like because, you know, he hasn't been on the field as much as other guys. But if you saw him, you'd think he was a graduate transfer. He's 6'2", at least 6'2", maybe, you know, a 6'2", tall guy, looks good in a uniform. Um on this topic, we've been fairly consistent that while, yes, you know, Kimber was a top 100 recruit and Keely Ringo was a five star, we have not conceded that cornerback battle between that group at all. And I think there's a chance that Jim Dog 85 could end up being correct on this and it could be a mere speed. We've talked up speed here fairly frequently in some of these discussions. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm outright picking him to beat out Kimber and Ringo the way that Jim Dog 85 did. But I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. I think that's a really good uh, comment from Jim Dog. But I just want to, you know, protect my credentials here as someone that's actually been pretty bullish on a mere speed now for quite some time. And as Jim Dog points out, the fact that he spoke to reporters yesterday, you know, 
does kind of validate that. Red Dog One said Burns, Peter Burns, who was on the show yesterday, points out all the reasons that I stated months ago, meaning Red Dog himself had stated about why Georgia won the national championship. And I'm glad to know that uh, Red Dog's out there saying these things. And, you know, sometimes you just bring on the guy from outside the bubble of Dog Nation to let you hear some of that kind of stuff from someone who doesn't necessarily have a vested interest in UGA to say all that. And so I thought Peter Burns really, you know, did well in 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 making that case and i'm glad to know that guys like red dog one are out there believing some of the same kind of stuff and it's also an important you know rejoinder against me someone who said well i don't really know that i'm seeing a lot of well-known people pick uga to win the national championship burns is a counterexample to that and it's also you know fair to point out that uh, georgia got you know a handful of votes for number one in the preseason ap poll there as well let me read this from my buddy stone who writes in when it comes to Peter Burns making the case for Georgia win the national championship, Stone says it's extremely easy to make a case for UGA. It's really a two-game season to make the playoffs, Clemson, then the SEC championship game. And I'll add, Stone didn't say this, but I'll add this, maybe you only have to win one of those two games to really punch your ticket. It's at least a possibility anyway. Um, he goes on to say the East is very weak, so the crossover schedule, so is the crossover schedule. He says making it to the SEC championship game is a given. The West representative will be a challenge, but by then, any defensive weaknesses will have been addressed and the offense should be firing on all cylinders. Stone goes on to say the greatest challenge in the playoffs will be Oklahoma. I could easily see UGA ranked number one, Oklahoma number two, but should advance to the championship game. The championship game will be a shootout. The dogs should be able to keep up, and the defense is just, be- is, is just enough better than Oklahoma's to provide the needed edge to win a close game. That is a very fun season that Stone just described, and uh, if that's the way it plays out, I can promise there'll be a lot of happy folks there around Doc Nation. I got some very kind words from folks on Twitter, but the fact that I'm doing the high school games this year, I'll make my debut for this season Friday at uh, historic Bobby Gruen Field there at City Park for Gainesville and Johns Creek. That's going to be fun. I'm doing two games on Saturday from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and so many of you have been nice enough to share some kind words, and I certainly appreciate that. Um, Roll Dog was also wondering who the home team is going to be in Clemson. I haven't quite heard that maybe that's well known but i don't know the answer to that uh, arnold santiago always nice to hear from him uh pointing out what many of you did there as well the fact that i was suited and booted for yesterday's show the luncheon we were at it's kind of a nice thing to wear a jacket and tie to honor some of those great coaches and players who were on hand for the corky kell luncheon so i did go jacket and tie for the big event yesterday as we were on the scene there and that was a uh, fun thing to be able to do and some of you had some fun with me being dressed the way that i was david frank also mentioning that eric gilbert was the gatorade national athlete for all sports in 2020 a selection based on criteria of athletic achievement academic excellence and exemplary character i mean i've told you before that i think some of the things that have been said about gilbert are completely unfair and i think that some of what has gone on with him over the course of the last few months has been borderline slander without really any evidence to back that up i, I do think that gilbert's been treated unfairly and by the way I would have said the same thing had he gone to Florida or had, you know, now with his status uncertain for Georgia, even if that's never fully cleared up to the satisfaction of Georgia fans, I'm going to defend guys like, you know, Gilbert, you know, nonetheless. Um, So I got no problem with that. Uh, UGA uh, Video Fan 5 also, um, or I should say this is uh, Videl Fan 5. Yeah, there's a video out there from Texas right now that is not great. Not great at all. I'm sure we'll do more of that this afternoon on SEC Country Live. We'll have some fun with that. For now, thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Y'all check out R.S. Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Hope you all have a great day. I'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We will look forward to speaking to you then.